I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Doug Tatum. Doug oversees the direction of all digital media properties and the support staffs for the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, including all social media accounts and all team-related mobile platforms. Doug joined the organization in 2013 after having served 13 years for the Times-Picanu, first as deputy and then as lead sports editor. In this episode, Doug and I talk a lot about how he transitioned from a newspaper reporter to leading digital content for both an NFL and NBA team, the success he's seen with their mobile efforts, and how he's drawing inspiration from other industries, even the airlines. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Doug. Doug, you have a really great background, first starting as a journalist and now working for the Saints and the Pelicans. Can you tell me how did you get started in content and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, I mean, it goes all the way back to when I was in high school. I I delivered newspapers throughout high school. I worked for the student newspaper. And when I was making my choice of colleges, I could have gone to a couple of liberal arts schools, ended up at Western Kentucky University because of their journalism program, and made the decision then that that's what I wanted to do. And I was able to keep that career going for, for 20 years, first at the Cincinnati Enquirer, then the Courier Journal in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. And then for 13 years at the Times Picayune in New Orleans, the last eight as sports editor. And during that period, I developed a relationship with the senior VP of PR and broadcasting for the Saints, Greg Benson. And they had bought um, Mr. Benson, Mr. and Mrs. Benson, the year before, had bought the Van Hornets. And they had a, a single staff running things. So they wanted to get more serious about digital for the now Pelicans and the Saints. So knowing my background and content, Greg asked me to come on board. Well, that is a super interesting story going all the way back to high school. So now you're at the Saints and Pelicans. So tell me a little bit about what you're responsible for there. Yeah, we cover the teams like any media outlet, any external media outlet would cover them. You know, all the games. So we're responsible for game coverage. We you know, have more than 100 games every practice. And then, you know, we do a lot of branded content plays for our sponsors. So we're a combination news organization and creative agency. And then our primary distribution channels are, you know, our owned and operated websites. And we have mobile apps for each team. And then our big advantage in our marketplace is the reach of our social media platform. So if you combine up all of our followers on the Saints and Pelicans, we have more than 11 million. So I describe ourselves all the time as we're the largest media company in Louisiana based on social media reach. So you're kind of, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're kind of like your own media publication for the team. So it's really kind of this great combination between the journalism that you've done for 13 years previously, and then really taking that and combining it with what you know a lot of other NFL teams do from a digital perspective, but really taking it to the next level. Would you agree on that? Yeah. I mean, historically, um, newspapers and TV stations and national media outlets have monetized coverage of pro and college teams and the, the teams and the schools themselves stayed out of it. You know, going back, some teams as far as 20 years ago decided they should get in the content business. And if somebody wanted to see ads connected to the teams, why don't they go to property owned by the teams to, to see that? So now every team, I can't think of one that doesn't treat digital media and getting eyeballs to their own properties as a 
very, very high priority. So when you first came in to the team, how did you think about just really, you know, the strategy behind what you're going to do and identifying some of the areas where you wanted to make some enhancements? Yeah, that was hard. Um, after being a journalist for 20 years, is really stepping into and in, in at one shop for 13, switching over to a, a new establishment um, was difficult, and there were so many things to tackle. It was hard to decide what to make a priority. But the two biggest things I did that first year was we launched a mobile app for the New Orleans Saints in July, one month after I started, and we launched a mobile app in October for the Pelicans. So we were a little behind the times on getting a mobile app into the marketplace. But those are two of the most important things I've probably done to date is now that the Saints app is closing in on 600,000 downloads and we have annual unique users of about a quarter of a million. And our, our Pelicans app is approaching 100,000 downloads with about 30,000 unique users each year. So getting those up and running, I thought were the two biggest priorities I had. I think that sounds like a big challenge to come into and something that you've been able to solve. So tell me a little bit about what you've, you know, what you've seen since you started coming and making those changes. Well, I mean, specifically in mobile, the, the consumption of content on mobile devices has grown exponentially. Probably 80% of our traffic on New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Saints um, related is done via a phone. About 75% on Pelicans is via a mobile device. So that's just grown. Every year it goes more and more. And the trick we have here in the office is, you know, we all do our jobs in a desktop environment because it's uh, more efficient that way. But we always have to stop and look and all right, let's check it, check this out on our phone. How is it? How does it look on our phone? How does it display on our phone? Making sure that we're checking both Android and iOS operating systems because there's differences between the two. So the dependence. Uh, on, on mobile is just grown exponentially since 2013 when I got started. How do you think about constantly evolving what you're doing and pushing it to the next level? We're happy to steal good ideas. You know, we, we actively monitor other teams. You know, there's 32 teams in the NFL, there's 30 in the NBA. You know, people in the office who are Major League Baseball fans, I've, I've asked them to pay attention to what MLB and BAM and, and what they're doing. And then what we've been trying to do the last couple of years is pivot a little bit and see what the big brands are doing. We're studying airplane apps right now. Delta, Southwest, you know, pick an airline because um, pretty soon we're going to be using all mobile ticketing to get into our two buildings. So we're going to be pivoting a little bit. Our apps primarily have been content and stat driven. You know, access the information you need about the game, the stats from the game, and access the information about the team. And pretty soon, they're also going to be the primary device for entry into our buildings. So we're trying to, you know, study the airline experience, which you basically use to get on board the plane, and to see what lessons we could learn, and you know, the user experience, and how we could modify what we're doing to make it really, really simple for fans to access their tickets and get into our games. And then once they're in, all right, then it becomes more of a stat and content driven and maybe in-seat ordering or, or whatnot for your full experience. So down the line, within a year, we hope from by the time from when you leave your house till when you get home, you've been using our app nonstop. 
I love to hear you talk about like ordering from your seat and things like that, because that's really kind of taking it to the next level. Yeah. And then you know, gaming, you know, with the legalization of gaming coming across the line, there's a lot of talk about, you know, predictive gaming in real time during games. That would all be app driven. Just so much you can do once you get people to make the adoption and get them to take up that space on their phone. As you think about fan engagement, you know, what kind of feedback and how do you get feedback from your fans? Well, we're actually, we just had a meeting before this call about setting up a survey that we're going to be sending out to all of our people in our database, both the Saints and the Pelicans, asking them those questions. You know, it's about 20 different questions about each specific app so we can get some data. There's, you know, we have mechanisms where people can report information or, or lodge a complaint or something or, or social media, but people are more likely to delete the app rather than to complain about it. So we're, we're going we're gonna to actively go out with a survey, and then we might set up some tables at our venues and just see if we could get people to talk to us about it. When you think about your apps in general, obviously, you know, with ticketing and things that are coming down the road, which is really exciting, but in current state, when there are a lot of like content delivery, have you noticed any trends with types of content that people interact with more on the app than maybe they do on the website? You know, our, our stat features are, are more popular on the app than what we have on the websites. But everything else, video consumption, photo consumption, article consumption, pretty similar. Um, you know, the difference is for, for our mobile web and our desktop, we're, we're using social media to drive people to that content. On the app, it's primarily push notification and then just hopefully if people have adopted checking in and opening it up and seeing what we have as part of their daily behavior. You know, a lot of what we've been trying to do is modify people's daily habits to make sure they're including, if they're a fan of the Saints, that they're either going to one of our our mobile or desktop platform, or checking in on our app to, to get their fix of the same news. Same thing for Pelican. One of the things I love about your background is having been a journalist, you've had exposure to content in a different way. And then now in your current role, how has content changed over the course of your career? And what do you think has been the biggest catalyst for that change? Well, the biggest catalyst is video. So, you know, as, a, as an old newspaper guy, at the end of my career, we were starting to play around with it. We created a couple of shows, but nothing, nothing in depth. And now my life revolves around video. It's all video driven. And we made the switch to um, a couple of years ago for most of our, our video content to go native on the social platform. So um, you know, video has been, for our end, has been the biggest thing that changed. When I started, we didn't have any videographers. Now we've been able to build out a department of four, and all of our social people are required to have some minimal video skills as well. I think the biggest thing is the, the move from, from written content to video content. It's just so important. It's what all of our partners want. Are you seeing any trends between the length of video that people like to watch? Is that specific on devices? Because I think that's a question I know I think about a lot as a as a marketer and as a content creator is, you know, how long should I make these videos that I'm creating? Does it, is the video on social, should that be a different link than maybe the video on a website? So what insights do you have to share from that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. In general, we're trying to get tighter and shorter with everything we do. Completion rates is hard to get people to go to the end of your video. I was just back from an NFL meeting where they shared uh, information that 
on videos of longer than five minutes, I think, on Facebook, the average watch time was 12 seconds. Wow. Which means people are they're just scrolling and, and glancing at it. They're not really watching it. So I think it's more about each platform you need to have a plan. And maybe your long-form videos are, are more of a YouTube and website and app play. And your shorter ones are just need to kind of, I like to use the term, disrupt the timeline. Try to get people to stop scrolling and to pay attention. Those are probably more appropriate for Facebook, Twitter, and of course you're limited on, on the length of your video on Instagram. And then, but if I can add to that, create great content, people are going to watch it. So the Budweiser branded content play with Dwayne Wade on his retirement, uh, I don't know if you watched it, but it was over four minutes and everybody watched till the end. It was just, the execution was so high. So if you could, it's really about the quality of the content. You, you can make something long, but boy, it better be good. Well, and just to add to that, I think it's, you can make something long, it better be good, but you also got to be known as a brand for making that good content. Yeah, no. And I, I think one of the interesting things for, from our perspective, that was a branded content played by Budweiser, but you didn't see them mentioned until the end. So if, if these big brands get more and more comfortable with more minimal messaging in it, I think you can see um, better content get created. So when you're thinking about measurement for success and your content initiatives, you know, how do you think about what metrics you're going to track to know if something was successful versus if it wasn't? Well, I mean, the, the number one thing we try to look at is engagement. So what's the engagement rate that we got on the different platforms? I, of course, also pay attention just to the raw view numbers. And then when we kind of do our, our, our deep reviews of the content, what was the, the, the time watched? And we are seeing, we just last year started to go more, more aggressively into YouTube to really build out that platform. And the watch times on YouTube are amazing, just amazing. So it, it depends on the platform and it depends on, on the piece of content. But broadly, we look at engagement. So... Last night was um, schedule release night in the NFL. So all 32 teams release their schedule at 7 o'clock Central Time. Um, and everybody comes up with a, a fun video as a way to introduce the schedule plus some other content. And one of the things we looked at, you know, our, our video was good. It probably wasn't the best out there. But we get a ranking of all 32 teams in terms of engage, engagement. And we were the number one team on Facebook. So I was like, well, all right. I'll take that. We have the, the Saints are the best fans in the NFL. No question about that. Well, one of the things I love about last night specifically with the schedule release, I think this was the first year that I noticed that every team was, or at least every team I saw, was doing a fun video about the schedule release. Yeah, this has been going on for about four or five years. So I think for a while it was just, you know, the teams. We all kind of compete amongst ourselves to see how um, – who could come up with the best content for the release. And it just seemed like this year, kind of more of the national media paid a little more attention to it and, and shared specific videos. You know, there are a number of Game of Thrones videos. There were a number of gamer-related videos. We leaned into our culture and did something just focused on iconic images from the French Quarter. As we Again, we just like to lean into our fan base and what, what makes New Orleans special. That's being the most amazing city in the United States. So that's the approach that we took. 
the great thing is all of these teams are investing in digital. All of them realize the importance. So staff sizes are growing. Quality of that staff is growing, getting better. Uh, the equipment people are using and, and really the sophistication of their thinking as well. We talked a lot about some of the great things that you've done and the improvements that you've seen. Has there been anything that you've tried that you're like, I really thought this would work and it did not go as planned or it wasn't as impactful as you had hoped it would be? Yeah. Um, one of the things I did my first year, we launched a, a game on the Pelicans app called Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Chevron's really big into coastal restoration. That's an important issue for our franchise, the Pelicans. And it was like a continuous running game featuring our team mascot. And it was one of the first, to me, that I was aware of, um, games released on a, on a team app. And I just thought, because, you know, I look around and you just see people playing games on their phone all the time. And I just thought the connection between the brand and gaming uh, would really be a home run. And um, it wasn't. <laughs> I think we've all been there where you do something, you're like, so confident this is going to work. And then it doesn't. And you're like, do I know what I'm doing? I still play it once a week, but I'm, I'm one of the few people still playing. The hardest thing is... The, uh, the developer we went with normally developed a standalone app for a game. And the fact of integrating it within a team app whose primary purpose is not gaming proved to be difficult. So I, I think that was kind of maybe a little bit of our downfall. I think that's super helpful to think about because it, it does go to the point around this idea that, you know, if you're an app and you're known for providing stats and content about the teams, does your audience want a game in that app or would they rather have a game that's more standalone? Right. When you think about just mobile in general across not just apps, but the web and even social, how do you think about mobile with fans that are, you know, even at, at home on game day, in the stadium at game day, you know, preseason, all those things? What role does mobile play in your overall strategy? Oh, I mean, it's, it's everything that we think about is... That's the device people are going to have with them from the moment they pull out of the driveway to head to one of our stadiums till they pull back in. <clears throat> so, you know, on game day specifically, we create content to reach them and, and what impacts them on their journey. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we started doing traffic updates. I mean, we're not a, a TV station or a radio station, but we wanted people to have the, the smoothest journey to and from our venue. So we decided to start doing traffic updates via our, our mobile apps with push notifications. Tell me a little bit about the future of content, mobile, digital. If you have a crystal ball and we're thinking about the next five years, what do you see happening? I think the quality of the content is going to continue to get better and better. Kind of like, you know, where movies used to be where the great content, video content was. Now the streaming services have all the best content. Um, I can't tell you the last time I went to a movie theater, probably over two years. I think the next pivot is it's going to be even more focused on your phone, probably a little shorter, but the quality from all of the different content providers that are out there, I'm convinced is going to get better and better. Video cameras are going to get cheaper and the editing software people will get more depth with. And I mean, our goal is every single day to get just a little bit better. And I don't think our shop is that different from anybody else's. And we want to, our goal is to be able to produce 
you know, network, broadcasts, you know, streaming service quality content if we can on a daily basis. I mean, that's hard to achieve right now, but everybody's really, really focused on getting better and better. You've got Apple entering the content game now, Disney giving serious on streaming services, ESPN Plus. It's never been a better time really to be a, a content creator because there's so many people hungry hungry for that content. Um, and, the, and the primary viewing mechanism five years from now is going to be on, on that mobile device. Now, I mean, in, in a way, I think the future is, is going to be great because I think the quality of the content is going to be super, super compelling. It's not just going to be big production outfits that are going to be able to produce high-quality shows or one-off videos. It's not just going to be, you know, some agency that would charge a brand a million dollars to create something. That brand is going to have their own content team that eventually is going to get good enough to match that level. My conversation with Doug was full of really great nuggets of information that I think all of us can take advantage of in our business. What really struck me was how forward thinking he is and the emphasis his team is placing on content being consumed on a mobile device. Like he said, mobile is everything they think about. And that's an approach I wish more companies would start doing. So many times I talk to marketers who still treat mobile as a second class citizen to desktop rather than realizing we live in a mobile first world and it's time to make that evident in everything that we do. Now let's Let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Doug that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, how many times did you go and look at your direct competitors to get a sense of what they're doing from a marketing perspective? Chances are it's been a ton. Trust me, I've done it. And I'm not saying it's not valuable to keep an eye on what they're doing and really have a good pulse on it but it is a huge mistake to only pay attention to them. Instead, you need to be looking at different industries for inspiration. Take what Doug said as an example. They're looking at the airline industry to see how mobile ticketing works for them. Is the airline industry really anything like the NFL? Well, not really, unless you look at the fact that they both sell tickets, but there's a lot that Doug and team can still learn from the airline industry from examining how their user experience is for ticketing as a starting point. And I know it's in our nature to want to look at similar organizations to ours because they have a similar target audience, buying process, price point, etc. But isn't there a ton that we can learn from really any industry? At the end of the day, aren't we all just selling to people? Not companies, people. It doesn't matter if you're B2C, B2B, B2B2C. You're still having people purchase your product or service. Yet sometimes we seem to forget that and we don't look at other areas that also happen to sell to people. For inspiration, and that's a huge missed opportunity. Next, I know there are a ton of reports out there that show consumers prefer shorter video content. I cannot tell you how many times I've told my team the exact same thing. Let's try and make a video in 90 seconds or less, or be better if it was only 60 seconds, or maybe even shorter depending on the content channel. And I get it, there's truth to all of that research, and there's a ton of supporting data about it. That people really do want more concise content. But I think that on the flip side, we still need to recognize that everyone will watch longer content as long as it's compelling. And I think that's a key point that we sometimes overlook when we start thinking about video content length. 
Instead of focusing on hitting a certain runtime, why aren't we focusing on telling a story and telling a story that our users are going to find highly engaging and then letting that story on video be as long as it needs to be? Why do we keep pushing ourselves to stay within some sort of arbitrary length if the content will drive them to watch it longer, if it's good quality content? Finally, I think most of you would agree that video is going to continue to play a major role in the digital strategy of almost every single organization for the years to come. And it's likely going to be even bigger than it is today. And that means you have to be constantly getting better at producing high quality video content. We live in a 24 seven world where people expect information at their fingertips. And so they aren't going to wait months for you to create and release a video like we used to. Instead, you're going to be able to enable your team to get to a point where they can produce high quality video content on an almost daily basis. And this might mean that you actually need to start requiring more people on your team to have video skills. Now here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Take a second and think of a completely different industry than yours. Got it? Okay. I want you to spend an hour this week diving into what brands in that industry are doing from a marketing perspective. What can you learn from them? What ideals can you steal and make work for your brand? How can you be inspired by what they're doing and use it to propel your brand forward? Take an hour, do this. I promise you're going to find it helpful. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.